Hello and welcome to Sideways. Do you ever find yourself saying yes when you really wanted to say no? Are you someone who frequently deprioritises your own needs to make sure you keep everyone else happy? Well, stop it, it's silly. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's, it's not as easy as all that. This week, we're going to try and help you understand why you behave like that and how you can change. If that weren't enough, I extol the virtues of coming in from the rain, Martin goes wild for some trippy art, and we discover that unsurprisingly, neither of us much likes the work of Chris de Burr, although we'd never tell him to his face. People-pleasing. Morning. I was trying to give it a little bit of gusto to make sure the recording levels were right, because it was a bit shoddy last week, wasn't it? A bit quiet. It was a bit quiet, but it was you that was quiet. So all things yeah. considered, that's probably not a bad thing, is it? Well, no, I need to equalise that straight away. So hopefully I'm bang up to speed this week. You're wearing red this morning. I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, the, like the Christa Burr song. <laughs> I'm not a lady, but thanks for the, uh, thanks for the intro. Oh, I didn't. I, I'd forgotten the title of it. I thought it was the recovering alcoholic in red. Was <laughs> it? That would have made more sense. <laughs> I'd have yeah. bought that then. <laughs> would you? I don't. I don't see you as a big Christopher fan. No, I'm not actually. No, I don't think I've got any in, in my collection. Have you? No, I haven't. Um, although my sister had some. What he had an album called "The Spanish Train and Other Stories," I think. Which okay. and on that album, there's a song called "Patricia the Stripper." Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, well, that's, uh, that's uh, filled me in, uh, uh, Christopher, knowledge-wise, because I'm obviously sadly lacking. Well, you should probably go and do a little bit of research. I, I don't think so, but thanks for the offer. It's funny, because that song, uh, Lady in Red, it's one of the, and there aren't that many, it's one of a handful of songs that if I hear it, I want to immediately put my foot through the radio. Well, exactly, yeah, send them the bill for playing it. Yeah. And the and the other one that always springs to mind whenever I think about that is that um, I think we've spoken about this before the wet 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 one I feel it in my fingers and feel it in my toes that one okay yeah well yeah, well that was at number one for so many weeks it just got incredibly boring didn't it it was it was far too boring even when it was at number one for one week well, well exactly yeah it wasn't even an original it was a no. cover version. Horrendous. Anyway, there we anyway, are. Anyway, should we should we get on with what we're here to do? Yeah, I can see that you I can see that you're itching too. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you about uh, people pleasing, which sort of leads on quite nicely, doesn't it, from our last week's episode on assertiveness? Very much so. Very yeah. very closely related. They are closely related, but it reminded me of one of my early um, memories in recovery. Um, with with a, a session I had with my key worker, he thought that I, had, I was showing signs of being a people pleaser. I think she must have just been observing me around other people. And she said, you've got to be careful because, you know, you, that could end up sort of uh, holding back a successful recovery, um, which I thought was a bit weird. And she went on to explain it, you know, I could easily get dragged back to my old ways if I'm, if I'm not changing as a person, growing as a person. That's one of the things that they always home in on, um, because I think us addicts do tend to be people pleasers when we when we're trying to probably manipulate people to a certain extent, but it can be a, it can be an issue for us. Do you think that's do you think it's manipulative? Because you know, people pleasing on the whole, I always think people pleasing is very much about um, trying to keep yourself emotionally safe. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think trying you're right. trying to make sure you don't get abandoned. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. I just think that. Um, 
I think I mistook or misjudged it really. I thought it was, I was just being nice and polite, but apparently not. <laughs> oh, okay. So when you, so when you look, when you look back at it now, do you think she had a point or do you still think that that was a, an erroneous observation? No, I think she had a point because I've learnt. Mm. I'll come on to some of the things about you know how to deal with it, um, but I have learnt. I've grown as a person, I think almost organically in recovery, to to not worry about it so much, not not to to fall into that category without I, chem without chemical fertilizer. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it's something that um, that I didn't really work on particularly, but I think it, it, it evolved. Um, but it, it is, it's something I'm now aware, more aware of and happier for it. That's interesting. It's interesting that you don't feel as if you worked on it and it just kind of happened. Because I, well, I, I, mean, I, I think I spent a lot of my life being a people pleaser. Yeah. And the only way I was able to stop doing it was, was by working on it. So, so yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting that we perhaps have different um, experiences of trying to move through what is a pretty horrendous anchor on you. If, yeah, uh, it is. But before we start, before we go too deeply into that, just a little bit of feedback from last week. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's a fan of the uh, quilted toilet roll or toilet paper because that, that was, uh, we have a message through from one of our listeners in New Zealand, actually, Charlotte, who's uh, obviously a big fan. Is that a joke? Uh, no, not at all. I don't know if you saw it. It, was, it came through on, uh, on on the Facebook page. I don't know if you saw I it. I didn't see it. I didn't uh, well, see it. You should be a little bit more observant. But the other thing was uh, that came through. I was too busy editing the flipping audio and putting the video up to be Wait. faffing about on social media pages, if you don't mind. I don't think this is the right platform to start coming across all aggressive, to be honest. <laughs> but, you know. I was just being assertive. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've learned from last week. <laughs> and um, and about this, the Scout Berets as well. Uh, obviously, they are uh, you know, proof of their, their existence. And um, one of our well, listeners I, came back and said, yeah, the, def the badge is definitely over the left eye. So you you not remembering that in the scouting movement, we actually wore berets was, uh, was, was wrong. No, I did remember wearing berets, but I didn't remember my troop wearing berets. I, okay. think, we were, I think we were too hard. <laughs> yeah, too tough. And berets were a bit sort of, as I said last week, foppish. <laughs> and we didn't want, you know, people to want, you know, to, to, to think that we were a bit of a soft touch. Well, do you have, you had sort of bandanas with skull and crossbones on them, did you? And that's we didn't, we just, we, we just went bareheaded. Did you? Yeah. 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 And actually I did see that little uh, exchange on the Facebook page where it was Simon, wasn't it? He was uh, confirming to you that the badge had to be over the left eye. Absolutely right. Yeah. Mm. I think I did put a comment on that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Which was a bit disparaging. So we won't go into that. Mm. You, being nasty to our listeners is not really the right way forward, mate. I wasn't being nasty. I was just, I, I think I was being disparaging, as you quite <laughs> rightly say. Yeah. But it's interesting that we're, it's interesting that there are supporters of the quilted toilet roll from all over the globe, though. Well, exactly. Yeah. That, 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 that harmed me. Hmm. So that I wasn't, you know, that feeling you get when you're not, you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. Did you, yeah. did you think you were the only person that might be buying quilted toilet roll then? Well, seeing them left on the shelf during COVID, I thought, People are really avoiding these, but I think it did uh, just come down to the cost. It was price, wasn't it? Was but yeah. as I said to you last week, I applaud you at affording yourself a little extra luxury in the bathroom department. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's not it's not a great expense either. You know, it's only a couple of quid here and there. So, and you're worth it, aren't you? Oh, I'm worth it. I'm like a L'Oreal <laughs> advert. Um, but anyway, go on to subject matter. 
mm-hmm. people pleasing. Yeah. I found this great blog online written by someone called Lizzie Malt. Now, Lizzie Malt, she's a, a writer and a cognitive behavioral therapist. Uh, and she describes herself, and I'll quote her verbatim here an adventurous Aussie girl who's here to teach you how to stop taking on other people's shit so you can learn to trust yourself and your vision whilst feeling confident enough to create it. Uh, and if that's not straight talking enough, I don't know what is. That's straight talking. That, it is. Yeah. She, defi- she defined people pleasing as, as, as someone who finds it hard to say no to others, often at the expense of their own needs. Yeah. Uh, and she goes on to say that people pleasing is associated with a personality trait. This is not something I'd heard of before known as socio- sociotropy or sociotropy. I've never heard of it. I don't, um, I'm not familiar with that either. No, I don't know whether it's come from you know, an extension of the word entropy or not. I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, or feeling overly concerned with pleasing others and earning their approval as a way to maintain relationships. So, yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but I hadn't heard of socio... I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. Sociotropy. I can't, I can't put you straight because I've never heard of it either. No, I know, but I, quite, I like the word. Don't get me wrong. If I could say it properly, it would be even better. Well, you might be saying it properly, in which be. case it's a, it's a win all round, isn't it? It is. New word, correctly pronounced. <laughs> don't say we don't teach people anything on this. No, topic. or ourselves. Or ourselves, indeed. Yeah, we're learning as we go along. Um, now, the next thing that she was going on to was um, about the signs that you're a people pleaser, which I found quite interesting because... I was talking to someone else about this um, after I'd done the notes. Uh, in fact, it was, it was Lizzie, my youngest daughter. I was talking to her about it. And, and I, f- I s- still feel I ticked perhaps too many of these boxes. But um, we'll just, just go through them. And I'd like to hear your, uh, your feedback on it, your input, what you feel about it. Um, the first sign, well, it's not, it's not in any particular order, but one of the signs is that you're crushed when someone doesn't like you. You know, making enemies is not okay. Um, I, I've, I still find that a little bit tricky. Um, but what, so someone I'm, not liking you? Yeah, but I've learned that. I'd have thought you'd have gotten used to it by now. Well, you'd have thought so just by the law of averages, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> by the sheer volume of people <laughs> disliking <laughs> you. Yeah, virtue on hatred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm all right with that now. I'm all right with that. Are you? Yeah, Are I you? am. Yeah, I am. Yeah, that mm. was something. Again, going back to the evolution. I think, you know, growing as a person in recovery, I've um, found that much easier to deal with. In fact, I don't mind it at all anymore. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I think uh, yeah, most of us like to be liked, don't we? We do, yeah. I think it's probably, uh, it must be hard for most of us to think that someone has taken against us, particularly if we don't really understand why. I think that's, I think that's probably the s- circumstance under which it's really difficult. You think, why doesn't this person like me? What's going on there? But... Yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly, it's something you have to accept because it's impossible for for you to go through life with everybody liking you. Well, it is, and and it, it's it's something that um, you know. I remember someone. I think going back to what you're saying there, if it's unjust, or if you feel that there's no, you haven't given them any reason for, the, for them not to like you. And I, I remember exactly that situation um, when I was back in the madness, and someone was some. I didn't really know. No, really nasty, They're sort of mimicking me and doing all sorts of nasty stuff. And I got really angry. I, you know, I was going to properly sort them out or get someone else to sort them out. You know, it's all really a rational thought process going on. Mm. And, but now, nowadays, I just think, well, that's just one of those things. The problems with them, let it go. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Because if you if you're if you're struggle if you're a people pleaser and you struggle with someone not liking you, um, because people pleasing behaviour comes from a fundamental insecurity, 
it's going to be difficult for you to recognise that someone else taking against you for no apparent reason is, yeah. is rooted in them. It's rooted in something they've experienced or haven't experienced. And I think when when you're able to make that separation, you're able to see that sometimes things happen because of something someone else has experienced or some other um, aspect of them. It becomes easier to accept it because it's, it stops being about you. It's about someone else. Well, exactly. I th- I know my self-esteem is so low anyway when it's in the madness. The last thing I needed was someone else to sort of pushing me further down. Mm. But it was it was the reaction I felt on myself at the time, which I I no longer have. Mm. It's good. Um, another point they go on to was about going to great lengths to avoid conflict. Yeah. Um, you know, there's those un- uncomfortable feelings. I think we've all had them, sort of not in the stomach sort of situation when you can see a conflict just about to arise, or indeed if you know you've got to go somewhere where there's definitely going to be conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, that, and that often stems from. I think we've probably spoken about this before. That often stems from not having seen conflict uh, used come productively. Okay. You know, if you've grown up in an environment where there is either a lot of conflict that is never resolved, or you grow up in an environment where there never seems to be any conflict, you know, neither of those are very healthy. What we really want, because obviously conflict is a natural part of life, what we really want is to grow up seeing conflict and seeing it resolved properly. And then we learn that, oh, it's got a positive purpose. But if we don't, if we don't see that, then, you know, we can struggle with it. Just think about conflict for a second. Think about conflict and where we learn about conflict. I I mean, I might be wrong about this, but I always had the sense when I was at your house that your parents, there wasn't much conflict between your parents. No, uh, no, there wasn't. No. Right. And I came from a house where there was a lot of conflict between my parents. Yeah. And so in some respects, they are two, kind of two ends of the spectrum, aren't they? Yeah. Now, I grew up seeing conflict as something that I didn't really want to get involved with because everything I saw about it was negative and left a horrible atmosphere and I didn't like it. It made me kind of feel anxious. Whereas, not necessarily you, but if you, if you grow up in a house where you never really see your parents in conflict, you don't really learn anything about how to deal with it. No, and, you don't. and so both of those can be reasons why you you end up growing up, you know, trying to keep everybody happy. It may well be. I know that. Um, I'm sure there was conflict, and I know that you could tend, sometimes there was some uh, something just simmering underneath, but that that was always dealt with behind closed doors, and never in front of the children, sort of thing. Right. Exactly. Okay. Can I go on to my next point now, or are you going to um, hang on? Hang on. Are you going to um, drag me back again? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mirroring the people around you. Yeah, doing doing stuff to fit in, and like you know, looking back, I probably did that in my youth. I think you know we've talked about the search for an identity, and when when the people around me were listening to certain types of music and wearing certain clothes, I'd, I'd you know I'd, I'd fit in. I I associate that one with you. I sit. You're good at that. Yeah. I I've seen over the year. I've obviously I've known you for a very long time, and over the years, I can I can think of lots of kind of tiny little examples where you will find a way of uh, fitting in yeah and and sometimes you know that that's a really kind of healthy gift to be able to do that but sometimes it's easy to kind of overuse it and you do yeah. it because you want to feel as if you're part of that even if you don't really want to be part of it do you know what i mean yeah yeah, i do I, i've got yeah. to i've got to make sure i'm in here before i even decided whether this is something i want to be a part of yeah so yeah, yeah I, I certainly recognize that in you I'd, yeah, I'd certainly I used to find it quite useful at, in a in, in a sales environment. Sure, yeah. you know, I could could adjust myself accordingly. Um, 
But and that, and that definitely was when you're in sales, you can unnaturally get pushed towards people pleasing because you will say the right things regardless of whether you think it's right sometimes. Your speech changes as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're talking about me or one speech change? Yours. Yours. Yeah, yeah. It's something, again, over the years, I've kind of really noticed that. You're, it's not as bad as Joey Barton, but, you know, <laughs> you will be, you'll very easily slip into a kind of style of speech yeah, yeah. that will connect you with the people around you. I, I do, yeah. And I, I know that. So I, do, I do do that. Um, but I haven't found that uncomfortable particularly. No. No, it's just an, it's just an observation. You know, I, I think... I think all of these things, you know, they're not used within limits. They're not bad. It's when you look, use them without limits yeah. that they become yeah. destructive to you Yeah, because you've lost your boundary. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it probably leads on to the next point about, you know, trying to make sure everyone around you is happy. Um, you know, you're constantly thinking about how others perceive you and whether they're happy and whether they're having fun. Mm -hmm. Um and I know, again, we talked about it before, where I would desperately, certainly in my, in my drinking days, I would certainly want everyone around me to be drinking as much as I did and to be and, and try and make sure they're happy. So I'd be constantly checking their glasses full and, 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 and that sort of thing. And that was a, that's not particularly people-pleasing. That was really feeding my own insecurities about the way I was drinking. Yeah. It was a way of dealing with that. And so having people drink as much as I did made me, made me feel an awful lot better. Um, but I think the biggest point that, uh, that, I've, that I've found applied to me was, um, you know, I hate saying no, which yeah. I think a lot of us do that, though, don't we? It's, 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 it can be really difficult. We talked about it before. I think we even mentioned it last week about no being a complete sentence. And it's being confident enough to say, no, I don't want this to happen, uh, and, and not particularly give a reason. Um, but I think, you know, if, you're, if you feel like you're going to let someone down, it's tough, isn't it? It is tough, but it's an absence of boundary because when you fear saying no, you're taking responsibility for someone else's emotions. You know, if I say to, no to you and you're unhappy about it, that's not my business. You know, it's like it, you've asked me something, I've said no, or, you know, so I might have said something that will disappoint you, but that's that's your emotion, that isn't mine. But again, this is such a big one, this, because it's, it is about the consequence. So when we don't want to say no the reason we don't want to say no is because we fear that saying no will upset the other person to the extent that they'll abandon us or they won't want to be around us or their view of us will be less positive. I'll go on to the next point. Taking on extra responsibility by prioritising um, other people's needs above your own. Yeah. In fact, I've, I've, that, that is something I've probably taken steps to work on, um, especially in, in, you know, you're working in the recovery field. Mm. Um, it's very easy to, you know, to, to, to run around people too much. And I've, I've simply stopped doing, but I've learned to do that by experience, really. But yeah, that's, an, I think that's a really important one to address because it has two damaging impacts. The first one is that it exhausts you. Yeah. Because you end up doing, um, you know, uh, giving more than you can afford, essentially. But the second way in which it damages you is that you then become uh, bitter and twisted about the fact that other people won't do the same for you. Yeah, true, yeah. So you kind of give, 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 give. In somewhere in you is the kind of hope that something will come back the other way, and it doesn't. And so you've got the worst of both worlds. You, you've you've deprioritized yourself, and you also feel hurt that other people won't give you the same kind of level of uh, service. 
So what about apologising too much? Um, that comes up as a point. As, you know, you apologise sometimes for things that don't need an apology. We all know those people, don't we? I don't think I'll fall into that category, but I, th I know some people do, but they'll apologise almost for living, just for being them. And that's not a good sign, is it? No, they're, they're essentially apologising for taking up space on the planet. Yeah, yeah, and it's diff it, it is one that uh, I, I think people, we, we, we can define people by it as well. Can we, we, we know people like that. In fact, there was someone, I don't think it's fair to mention their name, but lived across the road from me in St Luke's Road, and we used to call him sorry, because he used to say sorry for absolutely everything, mm -hmm. um, regardless of whether it was, it was, it was um, relevant or not. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a, that is a, um, a sign of, of people pleasing. I'll tell you where it comes up a lot in therapy, but when people cry, they apologise. Do they? Right, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, you know, the tissues are there on the table and the tears are coming and they're using the tissues and they say, I'm sorry. And, I, and there's, we always have a conversation about, you know, what, what do you, why do you feel sorry? What, why, why do you have to be sorry for being upset? So I think there's something very important there about, recognising that you never have to apologise for your own emotions. If you're constantly second-guessing yourself, so you seek out, you're seeking out validation for who you are, your ideas and your thoughts and your opinions, you know, and again, going back to what we're talking about, even the way you dress and appear, and you're looking to receive praise for that, for getting it right, so, so, so it sort of solidifies that you're on the right track. Yeah, because uh, if, you, if you live a life of people-pleasing, then you're only... Um, really, your only source of self-esteem is from other people. Yeah. So you're completely reliant on other people telling you you're okay. Mm. And, of course, that's terribly dangerous because putting your happiness in other people's hands, is not, it's not safe there. And so you've kind of completely lost your ability to um, remind yourself that you're worth something. Yeah. So yeah. that's why you're always looking for validation elsewhere because you can't provide it for yourself. There's, there's another couple of points where I just, just want to go over you with you. Um, the, the, the next one was you, you don't share your true feelings when someone hurts you. Yeah. You brush off your own feelings as being less important. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to upset that person. Even though they've hurt you, you perhaps you're, you're, you're passive and you don't want to upset them. Um, and the last one really was, was you don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And so you will go out of your way to, to ensure that, you say the right thing and act appropriately so that there's no chance of you hurting them. Yeah, that's, an, that's another example of one that um, up to a limit is quite a nice thing, you know, yeah, to yeah. be conscious of other people's feelings yeah. and try and couch things in such a way that people aren't uh, unnecessarily hurt. That's nice. That's, that's a kind and, and compassionate thing to do. But if you get to the point where you're protecting other people's feelings to the extent that you're making life difficult for yourself, you've gone too far. You have. And I think it, um, is it an example that I was just, that just sprung to mind is if you, if, if you don't tell someone what they need to hear, is that you're people pleasing then effectively, aren't you? Sure. If, if, even though it's something that they should hear, but you don't say it because you don't want to hurt their feelings. Exactly. Yeah. I think we, we spoke about this recently, didn't we? How, we all need to have an honest friend. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, our, fr our friends often, and our friends and family often find it difficult to tell us the truth about things mm. because they don't want to hurt us, obviously. But we all need someone who to put us straight. Yeah. You know, you know if, if someone says, well, I mean, for instance, I might say to you, what do you think of my painting? 
Okay, yeah. And you might say it's magnificent. I don't know why you didn't go to art school. <laughs> Which would be destructive to me, wouldn't it? Because as we both know, and as our listeners know, I'm I'm hopeless at uh, well, it, it, anything it, like that. It would have been a long-term crushing effect on you if you'd have then gone and applied to art school. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Take it down the wrong path. It's, I've, I, it reminds me of, I was flicking through TikTok yesterday and I found this account from this guy who's, 40, I think he's 42 and he said he'd been trying to become a singer-songwriter for years and I listened to some of his music and it was very clear why he wasn't a singer-songwriter oh, okay, with any yeah. success. Yeah. And, and the thing that I felt was why hasn't someone said to him, no, yeah. this, isn't, this is not going to happen for you, you know, in the gentlest, kindest way. But it made me wonder whether, you know, maybe someone in his life has told him that and he's just ignored it, fair enough or whether perhaps nobody has, because I think that does happen. You know, we kind of go on with these dreams thinking, oh, I'm going to be a massive success at this, when really there's absolutely no chance of it happening. No, I suppose there's that uh, balance, isn't there, between trace, chasing the dream and, and um, embracing reality. Yeah. But I think I, I think it probably comes back to a little bit of parenting on that. I think we've all known pushy parents that will praise their children to the roof, even when quite clearly they're not cut out to be or to do what they're trying to push them into. Yeah. Well, that's uh, my belief about people pleasing is that it, m- mostly it comes from attachment issues in early childhood. Uh, I think that's said as a true therapist there, mate, isn't it? Eh? <laughs> I think it mostly because, you know, what, why would you, why would you grow up feeling that other people's needs are more important than yours? It's, this is not something, yeah. this is not something that happens because of some random experience in your mid twenties. This will be something you have learned about yourself early on that your needs for whatever reason are not as important as other people's. Funnily enough, one of the one of the ways in which we can um fall into people pleasing is if you develop a kind of avoidant attachment style, which can often often come from um your your parents being emotionally unavailable. And of course one of the things that would make your parent unavailable emotionally would be addiction. It's easier for you then to become a people pleaser because that parent won't always have been able to satisfy your emotional needs. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, how do we how do we go about addressing this issue? Because this is I've just got a couple of points on this. Really, I don't want to take up too much time, but um, I'm sure as a therapist you'd be able to help people. But I think the first point that comes up in this again, when you're looking at the research, is well, first same with anything like this. Really, is acknowledging you've got an issue because it's quite difficult to to to, to think that's just how I'm built. That's how, that's the way I am. I'm happy with that, or that's the way that it's. Um, that, that it's or maybe not, not even be happy with it, but that's the way that I've always dealt with things. Therefore, I'm comfortable with the way it is. Yeah, that's definitely true, um, and it's probably true of pretty much every mental health difficulty yeah. that we have. Um, because if you say to yourself, "Oh, it's just the way I'm made," you're kind of surrendering to it, and. Yeah. And telling yourself that there's nothing you can do about it will be the way to guarantee that you can't do anything about it. The next point, which is important as well, is that stop assuming that you're you're responsible for other people's happiness. Because we just aren't. And I think we sometimes we would take that on, that responsibility on. Um, again, going back to when I was first starting to to run groups, I found it quite tough because you know I wanted to be all things to all men, and I was taking on their responsibilities as well. And, you, and that that evolved. You know, that wasn't something that, that, that I consciously set out to change. It naturally progressed as I got better at doing it, really. Running yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's about boundaries, isn't it? Yeah, 
I think the way to help yourself improve in that area is to recognize that when you are taking responsibility for other people's emotions, don't be under some misapprehension you're helping them because you're not. You're doing the reverse. Yeah. Because by taking responsibility for other people's emotions, you're not really giving them the opportunity to do it for themselves. True. Yeah. So if you really want to help people, maintain healthy boundaries. What about um, the, the reason why you need to please? Is it worth trying to explore that as to why you feel this constant need? I think we've probably covered some of that uh, in, uh, earlier on. But well, I think it is about emotional safety. I think yeah. we please because at the root of people pleasing is a desire to keep people from leaving us. Yeah. So okay. to try and maintain connections, relationships, and there's something fundamental in our emotional brain that says, if I don't keep you happy, you won't want to be around. And of course, that's one of the other important things about um, stopping people pleasing. If all the time you're fearful that if you don't please people, they will leave you, you can maintain that belief. It'll only be when you challenge the belief by saying, oh, I'm going to push back now. I'm going to say no. I'm going to risk upsetting someone and see what happens. Then if they still want to be around you and they're still your friends or your partner or whatever, then you've, you're starting to dismantle this mythical belief. Oh, so I can avoid people pleasing yeah. and still not be abandoned. So, you know, that's a really, I think that's a really important. Yeah, isn't it? That is a, that, is a, that didn't come up in the research, that aspect of it, but that is a, a very relevant point. The, the only, the things that I came up with, apart from the ones that we've spoken about, um, which are kind of similar to what we were talking about with establishing boundaries and assertiveness, but start small. Yeah. So if you, if you want to stop, if you want to try and control your people pleasing, don't try and challenge it in the places where you feel the relationship is most fragile. Try and push back a little bit with people that you feel safer with. I mean, you probably don't people please as much with people you feel super safe with, but where people who are kind of on the edges where you think, well, I feel pretty safe in this relationship, try pushing back a little bit. And again, similarly to assertiveness and boundary maintenance, just practice making choices. When someone asks you something, make a choice because it has two benefits. One, it avoids you people pleasing because you're not constantly deferring to the other person. But secondly, you start to build self-esteem because you start to hear yourself choosing what you like. And as ridiculous as it sounds, you can you can get quite a long way through your life before you really start knowing what you like. I mean, I've worked with lots of people over the years who say, I don't really know, don't really know what I like. I don't know what I like doing or what I would choose. Right, we'll start choosing and then you'll yeah. start to learn it. And and the more you learn it, the easier it will be for you to 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 um stick to it and and kind of tread your own path I almost use the word journey again you did and i thought you nicely avoided that but if you um so if you, if you do start to practice that start with the small uh the, the small stuff um also if you throw in at that point now practicing self self-love effectively to so, so you can move those boundaries back a bit can't you to to look after yourself a little bit more and the other person a little bit less yeah let's we move on should we go to our gratitude list? Yeah, let's do that. I don't know whose go it is. Is it mine? I think it's probably yours to go first this week. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm grateful this week for <laughs> I'm grateful for coming in from the rain. Okay. And there's there's, there's a lot going on out there. I actually stopped at the moment, but yeah. Well, 
this morning, uh, you might have been asleep, although you, you are quite an early riser, aren't you? So you yeah. might not have been. I took the dogs out and the sky was quite angry. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I'm going to get away with this. And I was about the furthest point of my walk away from shelter when the heavens opened and we were under a massive thunderstorm. That was pretty miserable. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can't ever remember being wetter on a walk. <laughs> Even the dogs were hi hiding under the hedges because it was so grim. But as bad as an uncomfortable, and as uncomfortable as that was, getting back home again is lovely. It's kind of worth getting soaking wet just so you can get in and change into dry clothes. It's a, it's kind of worth the, it's worth the horror of being soaked. So I'm grateful for that. Well, it's 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 almost like the uh, um, it, 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 you're having a reference point, aren't you? you, you it's, it's almost that um, a, a bad situation has been created, so you can have a little bit of joy from it. Exactly, as you said before, um, joy wouldn't be joyful if we didn't have pain and hurt. Exactly, a bit like the old Buddhist principle there. Yeah, I like that. Well, my my it's very easy for me this week. Um, my on my gratitude list, I've written down. Interactive art exhibitions, okay. Right. <laughs> because I went, I went to one yesterday with uh, my youngest daughter up in up in London, and it was actually it was a fabulous day anyway. And it was part of my birthday present, so it's my, my birthday has been extended through from September. Nice. Uh, and Lizzie got me a ticket the first available date after my. It's only just open. And after right. my what year. what is it then? Well, it was um, it's it's you go into these. Uh, it's, it's like a little exhibition centre, if you like, but there's little small rooms you go into, and you're you're effectively walking into the masterpieces of certain artists. Nice. So it's projected on the walls and on the ceilings, on the floors, um, and, and in some of the rooms they'll have bits of mirrors in the middle or screens. To certainly in the abstract one, they had screens in the middle, which makes all sorts of. It's quite trippy. I was saying to her, this is this is like a, this is sober trippy stuff going on here. It's, but it was fabulous. It really was. It was really a lovely experience, and the music that goes with it is all very good. And it's it's fantastic. no Krista Burr. No Krista Burr then. Absolutely no Krista Burr. No. So although I've been to one before, we went to one the, the Van Gogh one. This one was um, it's more generalised. So there's one on it. You know, you went into a, an area for abstract and one for surrealism and that sort of thing. So yeah, absolutely fabulous. Did you find yourself standing in the hay wane? <laughs> there was no constable there. No. It's, <laughs> It was more towards the sort of uh, um, the Dalis and the. All oh, right, so you weren't in a raging sea in the midst of a Turner, then? Uh, no, there was one there. I mean, there, there was some traditional stuff in there, like canalettos and that sort of thing, which you know, Italian architecture, which mm. again set to the right music and the right movement. It was just fabulous. Sounds yeah, good. Big fan, big fan. So the, the frameless art exhibition currently on at Marble Arch, thoroughly recommend. Lovely. There we are. Uh, um art listings as well in yeah. the podcast. <laughs> where, will, where will it end? I don't know. I'm going to go on to the days of the year, though. Righto. Yeah, because there's one here that you, you particularly like, because um, today's National Croc Day. You know, you love, it. you love wearing a croc, don't you? Well, I do wear a croc because they're quite useful for um, getting from here to the car and then changing into me wellies when I'm going for a walk. Okay. But, yeah. but... It is an opportune day to talk about crocs because anyone with crocs will know that this, one of the problems with them is they haven't got any tread on them. Right, okay. So yeah. they're a bit slippery. And this morning when I went into the news agent, I nearly went straight over. 
<laughs> teach you to wear Crocs, but which they're... would have been which would have been quite nasty. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be National Croc Day, but I'm I'm seriously giving mine a second thought today. Good, good. Well, I think you need to get by them because they're horrible things, really. They're quite they? useful for putting the bins out. I think they've they, and they come they've come back into fashion, haven't they, Crocs? I don't, I don't know, mate. I think it's. Terrible. I think they. I think they have. I think um, my philosophy is always wear something for long enough, and eventually it'll be back in fashion again. <laughs> You're still waiting for those old flares to come back, aren't you? I've seen I told my I told my kids a few years ago, oh, flares will be back. Flares will be back, and they were like, no, 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 they won't. And they did come back. They always do. They did have a little brief. Not like the ones we had in the 70s were seriously flared, weren't they? Um, but also, today is National Mother-in-Law Day. Now, um, I think we both have lost them. I've got an ex-mother-in-law who died yeah. last year, and your mother-in-law died last year, didn't she? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, last year, yeah, yeah, year before, I think. Yeah, so quite recently. So it's just, I mean, it's always, mother-in-laws are always the butt of jokes, aren't they, with stand-up comedians and that sort of thing, and... Um, I mean, I've got to be honest, my mother-in-law wasn't particularly keen on me. Um, so uh, it, it was... Uh, well, my mother-in-law was lovely. Yeah, I know. You, you, she, 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 couldn't, she couldn't do enough for anyone. In fact, she was definitely a people pleaser. People pleaser, for, yeah. Yeah, she was, she, she, she'd do anything for anyone. So, she, yeah, she was lovely and she is sorely missed, yeah. Uh, my, my ex-mother-in-law, she became... She, she, she had Parkinson's and she had associated Alzheimer's with it. Uh, and she started to say nice things about me in latter stage. But one of the funny things, she was, she was in a nursing home and she told my ex-wife that I'd been round and played the saxophone to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she said, oh, Martin's been round today again playing the saxophone. And so, yeah. so I don't know what her memories of me were that was suddenly been all mixed up and going back, but I certainly didn't do that. But I think this is probably, looking back, this is one of my early examples of not people pleasing because I never bothered to try and get on with my mother-in-law particularly we 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 uh sort of bashed heads maybe she set you on the right path maybe you realize with her um actually I should stop bothering with this yeah 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 probably right yeah she put put me right uh, inadvertently yeah exactly so she did something kind for you even though she didn't like you uh yeah I don't think she meant to but yeah (laughs) (laughs) um on this day in music then three Three little things that have come up. Elvin Stardust died in 2014. Yeah. Did he? 2014? I know. It's bizarre, isn't it, how quickly that's gone by? Wow. So I might wear one glove today to in, in respect. He, he invented that long before Michael Jackson did Well, it. I was going to say, if you do wear one glove, people might think that you're commemorating Michael Jackson. Yeah. Which I don't know how you'd good. feel about that. Uh, uh, pretty poorly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jimi Hendrix recorded Hey Joe in 1966. One of the classic mm, he was fans. quite a good guitarist. He was quite good, wasn't he? He uh, was. Although like, he did set fire to them, didn't he? Which I'm, he, I'm not too yeah, keen on that, really. Yeah, no, that's a bit tricky, isn't it? Sacrificing your guitar. You should put, put a bit it's more dangerous respect. as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's Never play with fire. Didn't his parents tell him anything did, like he, that? No, he did. the boundaries weren't put in place, weren't they? No. Disgraceful. And the last one was that um, Amy Winehouse... Uh, released Rehab today in 2006. Never, mm. you know, when you listen to that, it's just filled with sadness. And uh, she should have gone. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, she should have gone. Yeah, yeah. She gone. It would have been sensible for her to, on it reflection, on she reflection. wouldn't have had that seminal uh, musical work, but no. she may still be alive. Yeah. But when you listen to the lyrics, you know, they, they said I had to go to rehab, and I said, no, no, no. 
interventions, you see. Perhaps they don't always work. You know, there's people trying to push her, but we know as addicts, we won't go unless we're ready. Well, that's true. There's no point telling someone to go into rehab or into therapy because until they're ready, they won't work, will it? No, exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's, me, that's me wound up, mate. Good. Well, um, I'll talk to you next week then. Will do, yeah. Sure. Laters. Thanks, mate. Take it easy. See ya. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work or sort through the extensive archive of past episodes, just visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways podcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Sideways Podcast. And you can email us if you have a question or if there's something you'd like us to cover. But most of all, we want to tell you how grateful we are that you come and listen. And we ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week.